630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Oh, you bet it is the Connor McDavid goal. Already part of the Inside Sports intro as the Oilers now get set to take on the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night. Three games in the NHL this evening. 12 minutes into the first period, Toronto and Winnipeg tied 1-1. Late in the first period, Capitals up 2-1 on the Flyers. Later on tonight, 8 o'clock start, Dallas is at Los Angeles. That game between the Oilers and Montreal will be on 6.30, Chet. 24 hours from now, we'll already be heading into the second period. 3.30 face-off show tomorrow. The game will start at 5. Looks like Mike Smith is going to get the call again. Would be his fourth straight start. Given the lines today, could be a healthy scratch for Jujar Kara tomorrow, who has uh, been struggling in a depth role for the Edmonton Oilers. And Kyler Yamamoto remaining on that line with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. Yamamoto pretty impressive since he's come up from the farm. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. I didn't get to see him a lot in camp because he was hurt, but I watched uh, quite a few of his games in the American League. He's a smart player. You know, he, he reads situations well. Um, he makes good plays with the puck, and that's why, you know, you see a guy like Dreisaitl likes to play with him because he, he can play a give-and-go game, and he makes intelligent plays. Um, that, along with the tenacity, he gets to the front of the net, he finds loose pucks. So he's, um, he's a smart player with a good skill set, and he's willing to work. So far, so good for Kyler Yamamoto. He's uh, been able to kind of uh, give a little more depth on those top two lines for the Edmonton Oilers. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is 6.07. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, fun show tonight. The commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi, will join us between 6.30 and 7. He's going to catch up on some storylines going on with the Canadian Football League. Jacob Bernard Docker won gold for Canada at the World Juniors defenseman for the University of North Dakota. He's from Canmore, Alberta. I first met him at uh, the draft in Chicago a couple of years ago. He'll be on the show tonight. And former NHLer Scott Hartnell will uh, will check in. I always enjoy talking to Scott, uh, Scott a very uh, a kind of a flamboyant player at times during his NHL career. Had a bit of a sense of humor when it was appropriate to it. I've known Scott ever since he was uh, an 18-year-old. I, I started in Lloydminster in the spring of 2000. He was uh, drafted that summer. He was he's a, he's a Lloydminster kid, so always good. Well, I guess he's not a kid anymore, but it'll be good to catch up with him. And, and Scott Hartnell, as we bring in Kelly Rudy, did something pretty fun on Twitter, Kelly. He, uh, he used his son to recreate the goal by Connor McDavid, and this was the first chance you and I have had to talk since McDavid went all world against Morgan Riley. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't see that. I heard about it. I was uh, traveling myself. I've been on the road for a little bit. I just got home today, but uh, hopefully later today I'll check out Hartnell's uh, tweet because I heard it was pretty comical and. Yeah, you're right. He's quite the character. I've always enjoyed my time around him, too, and he's got some real personality and one of the real good guys as well. 
All right, so you saw that goal. I mean, look, we know McDavid does great things. He's one of those few players in the league that can catch you by surprise. He caught everybody by surprise, I think, not just Riley and and Hutchinson. And and you're a goaltender, so you've had to probably live with those situations where it looks like it might might not be uh, much of a play, and then all of a sudden the guy's in in alone on you. But just your thoughts on the goal that the hockey world is still talking about. Well, there's lots of different ways to break it down, and what he was trying to create and what Riley was reading. And uh, so... You know, when I when the goal happened on Monday, I was in uh, Chicago. I had an off day. I was just at dinner with Rick Ball and our ringside reporter on the Flames broadcast, Ryan Leslie. And Ryan uh, came over to Rick and I said, hey, did you see the McDavid goal? And uh, we hadn't. And so he showed it to us. And I'm not going to lie, Reed, I think uh, we probably watched it for about 10 minutes and 25, 30 different times trying to figure out how he did it and what he was thinking and uh, how he exposed Riley. And there's so many different components to it. So what Ryan Leslie was saying that uh, he wasn't even looking at Riley, and and I'm not here to dispute that. I have to think, though, that somehow out of the very corner of his eye, he had an idea what Riley was up to, in particular, uh, his legs and what he was doing skating-wise. And and P.J. Stock taught me this many, many years ago because I always loved that move uh, when you get the defensive across their legs, but I could never understand how to do it. And, you know, as a goalie, in the summer, I'd still play tons and tons of shinny, and I always tried it, and I could never do it because the timing was never right. So P.J., sat down with me many years ago and taught me exactly how you have to time that move. And then last night on our broadcast, we had Eddie Olchuk on, and his, of course, all his great offensive instincts. I asked him what he thought, how he's able to create that move the very instance that Riley crossed over for the first time. And it has to be timed perfectly. And another clue he gave me, Eddie Olchuk did, is that so you're kind of watching him, and if his starts to bend his knees just a tiny bit more. Now, that's a subtle little thing to look for when you're bearing down on a defenseman, a quality guy like Morgan Riley. You're now trying to notice if he's got a tiny bit little more bend in his knee because that means he's now trying to react to your speed and he's most likely looking to cross over. Now, Eddie did add that you don't always cross over, and so you have to be prepared, like McDavid, to keep going in the direction you're going and then try and create something that way. But it was all about the timing and creating the, the crossover. I found it fascinating. I still find that move incredible. And, uh, you know, very few guys, very few guys in the history of the game could have ever pulled something like that off. That was so amazing. Well, I, I love how you you give your take and also bring in what some other players told you, and it just is a testament to all the little things that Connor was probably processing, maybe even not consciously at the time. And I loved how after the game he said, I, I'm not giving away any, any secrets. But right. one thing I've said, that would be like... You know Eddie Van Halen saying, "Well, I just play the guitar this way." He can ex- he, like he can explain it, but it doesn't mean other people are going to be able to to, to copy it, right? I want to I want to bring up something Rob said after that game, and, and and as a former goaltender, you'll have some good perspective here. Now, obviously, that's a great move and a great shot by McDavid, but he also said if Anderson was still in the game, 
that shot would have gone blocker and stick side, and there's more to get in the way for the puck to hit. And by no means was that an easy move by McDavid, but he thought right. it made it a slightly easier shot because Connor could flip it glove side, and Rob always felt you have a better chance of scoring on a goalie on that side. Well, again, I like that kind of in- inside too. Uh, you know, all these guys, that, and that's the great thing about our job, Reed. We get to talk to all these guys that were experts in their field. And uh, so you think of what his insight was and uh, what he's thinking about and why that goal was uh, uh, able for McDavid to get that on uh, the goaltender because of what his insights are. And so, you know, it was interesting. Like, you talk to all these guys and why they think uh, McDavid scored and for this reason and, you know, it's a different side, the glove hand and all that. But... You know, you just can't stop learning in this game. And that's the one thing, uh, Reed, about my thing when I watch a hockey game. I want an analyst to teach me something new or remind me something that I've forgotten. And that's why you get all these good guys like Rob and Eddie Olchuk and PJ and all the others that are employed because that's exactly what they're doing. They're not telling you what happened. They're telling you why it happened. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers. Okay, I played the Dave Tippett clip there from Kyler Yamamoto, and we'll have a little bit more uh, on Yamo as we move along tonight. Um, Yamamoto is maybe the smallest NHLer I've ever been around in my you know nine years of of covering Oilers. Um, but man, yeah. you know, and, and Ken Holland. I talked to him in the summer, and he said, yeah. you know, some guys are small, and they're too small. And then some guys are small, and it, it doesn't matter. you got to see the guy play. Well, we've seen Yamamoto play, and he is a small player who has figured out and probably spent most of his life figuring out how to be effective. Yeah, and that that bar or that height or that weight, that's changing all the time now. And it seems to be going uh, smaller and smaller and, and you know, when I first saw Johnny Goodrow, uh, whatever, four years ago, five years ago, I personally thought he's the smallest hockey player I've ever seen, not only in uh, height, but uh, size. Like, I, his weight, I think they listed him back then around 155, and I didn't think he was any of that. And, and yet his unique skill set. Uh, and so I think when guys like Johnny Goodrow, and there are many other guys out there that are, like Mitch Marner, I don't know what he weighs, but he's so lean, it's crazy. And and so when these guys have success, all of a sudden it changes the rules. So now somebody might get a guy like Yamamoto and go, okay, well, he's half an inch shorter than this other guy, but he thinks the game as well. Uh, he reads the play. Uh, he's as courageous in today's game as you need to be. And so then you give somebody else a chance. I, I mean, I remember watching him. Yamamoto in uh, training camp of last year, and his skill set just blew me away. I thought he was pretty close to being ready. Now, there's nothing wrong with going down to the minors and learning your craft a little bit more and and, uh, making the jump that way. But, uh, you know, as we know, this is no secret to anybody. The other thing is nobody really leans on anybody in today's game. So, you know, people talk about, yeah, you got to go to the dirty areas and, you know, the – all that. Well, there's no dirty areas anymore, really. So you can get away with being an undersized guys, guy as long as you have the skill and the determination and you don't give up on a puck. And, you know, there's still a way to win 
with an undersized guy, and that's why, like, even Gretzky was never, he's a tall guy, but he was lean. He just didn't lose a puck battle, right? You find ways to win puck battles, and you don't have to be the biggest guy to do it all the time. And Yamamoto, and Yamamo, like he makes an impact in the game, right? You you, you notice yeah. him even if he's not on the score sheet. And he one time to puck, and you know Rob and I have kind of had a running dialogue because the Oilers have had so many players who had good shots but would never one time the puck. So it was nice to see him do that uh, the other night as well. Vancouver's winning streak came to a crashing halt last night, nine two against Tampa Bay. I watched uh, the scrum with Travis Green today, the head coach. He said we weren't necessarily going to practice today, but he decided to get everybody back out on the ice and try to start washing that one away. Now, it's been a good run for Vancouver, so you know yeah. I, th- I think they're, they're, they're obviously still right into it, but six goals in the second period. What's it like, Kelly, when a game, you're, you're in a game, it's 2-2, and then all of a sudden, you know, not, not 15 minutes of playing time necessarily, sometimes 15 minutes of real lifetime, uh, you know, then it's over. That's got to be kind of a sickening feeling when you're on the ice or on the bench. Okay, I'll tell you this. Uh, number one thing I used to feel, and I've talked to other guys, and they had the same sort of feeling. So in that same scenario that you're describing, last night's game, so they're right in it, right? You're sick of this second period. You're thinking, okay, this is the way we need to play. We're playing a good team that's on a roll. We're on a roll. And all of a sudden, as you said, 10 or 15 minutes later, either you're the goalie and you've been pulled and you're on the bench or you're in the dressing room and you know you're going to get pulled for the start of the third. And you're like, what just happened? Like, how did that happen so quickly? It's shocking how quickly it happens. And you're like, like 10 minutes ago, we're in this game. Like, we're right in the fight. And... So you have to try and get over that somehow, but it's really disheartening. It's not, it doesn't, you know, shatter you, but it's certainly disheartening, and you have to find a a way to get over it. So I think going on the ice is good. Man, I remember times where experience is so important because when you're a fairly young team, now Markstrom's not a young goalie. I think he just turned 29. He's having a remarkable season, so I suspect he'll get over it. But, you know, sometimes you get pelted right in the teeth and I don't care how much experience they have, it's hard to do it again. And so in a game we had, it, now this was my last year in L.A., uh, they had traded away Wayne, they traded away Yari, Marty, a few other guys, Rick Tockett, I believe, and we're a team going younger. I thought I was going to get traded. I was fighting mightily with management. It was an ugly situation. We go into uh, Detroit right near the trade deadline, and we lose 9-4, and I was horrible. I'm thinking I'm going to get traded. The very next night, we're playing in Buffalo, and I'm thinking, well, surely Byron Defoe, the other goalie, is going to play. Well, they start me again. Well, i got to tell you what, I had to muster up all the mental strength that I've ever had to, to play that one, and I played really well. We tied 2-2, but it never ceases to amaze me how many times you get challenged in this game. Just when you think you've gone through most situations and you're never going to be in an ugly scenario again, look out because right around the corner it's there. And that's what the Canucks to a certain degree are going through. Now, having said that, they've been on a roll, as you said. So for the most part, you can throw it away, throw it in the garbage can because you feel pretty good about yourselves. Whereas if you're on a struggling team and you keep getting pelted and, and there's nothing good happening, it's much harder to recover from that. 
There was that baseball playoff game in the fall, Atlanta and St. Louis. I think it was 10 nothing after the first inning. And yeah. Mike Johnson, who's an Edmontonian, now lives in St. Albert, and he pitched in the big leagues for the Expos. And I, I had him on the show after yeah. that, and I said, when a team like just has an inning that is that bad, you know, he, he said it's, it's just amazing how fast it happens. And then yeah. you, you think, oh, there's a guy on first, no big deal. Oh, first and third, no big deal. Okay, two runs in. And then all of a sudden, you've basically lost the game in one inning. And he, and he said, it's amazing how fast it happens. And as a pitcher, you, yeah. you, you, when you look back, you think, why didn't I take an extra three seconds to throw that pitch or call my catcher out to the mound and try to do something? But then you just remember the feeling of it getting out of control and, what, why couldn't I have just done something to take a deep breath and stop it? I thought that was really interesting. And, and it's funny, too, Reed, because typically in all those situations, especially for the Canucks last night, they're feeling good about themselves. Like it's, it's not like they can feel like oh, our game's a little loose tonight and we're chasing it and, and all that kind of stuff. They're playing great. And then, like he, uh, Mike Johnson said, what I'm saying one bad thing happens, all of a sudden there's a second bad, you, you still think you're in it, next thing you know you're down 6-2 and you're like, how? Honestly, how did that happen that quickly? Yeah. Well, and it happened both ways, uh, New Year's Eve when the Oilers took on the Rangers, but uh, the Oilers were able to get the victory. You know? Yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, Thanks for checking in, Kelly. We will talk to you next week. Uh, it's it's a fun race here in the West. Oilers and Flames coming up on Saturday, so we'll be breaking that one down. Have a good one, buddy. Okay, thanks, Reed. Talk to you soon. That is Kelly Rudy checking in, as he does every week here on Inside Sports. Love talking to Kelly. Great perspective on uh, some things that happened during his career and uh, still talking about that goal by Connor McDavid. I'm happy to talk with you as well, whether you want to do it by voice or by text. It is the same phone number. 780-496-0063. You can use a rotary phone to call us. I don't think you can text us with a rotary phone, but we'll keep working on the technology. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Got a text here from Chris. He says, uh, hey, Reed, very sexy how you worked an Eddie Van Halen reference in your interview with Kelly. Kellen, agree or disagree? Oh, very sexy. <laughs> Kellen, 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 it's all in. Yeah, it's very sexy. Well, that, that, that is quite a text from Chris. It is, uh, And you can text 780-496-0063. I do not believe I have ever... Uh, been called sexy at all by a listener of this program and, and certainly not because I, I worked in an Eddie Van Halen reference. So there you go. Something new on the uh, on the old resume tonight. There you go. Quite an honor. Quite an honor indeed. Matt Benning back practicing with the Oilers in Montreal today. Here's Tip. He's coming. He's uh, He had some tests yesterday and they, uh, they went well and uh, so now he'll get back with our group and we'll continue to monitor him as he moves forward here. And Connor McDavid being asked by uh, the media in Montreal, who did he hear from? Any big names getting in touch with him after his amazing goal? 
Bobby Orr, who uh, was uh, actually was obviously my my agent and uh, uh, part of my agency, and, and he'd give me tickets for the game, and uh, you know, so I could use for my family. And he reached out after just mentioned something about it. So, like I said, it's, uh, it's definitely nice just to get that support. More on McDavid, Yamamoto, and the Oilers as we move along tonight. CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi next. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chat. Turn up the radio by autograph. Does this qualify as a classic track? I think so. I do recommend listening to Inside Sports. At a safe volume, however. If you are going to turn up the radio, comfortable loudness. Comfortable amplification. That that should be our motto for Inside Sports. Inside Sports, comfortable amplification. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. After the first period, the Jets lead the Maple Leafs 2-1. Shots only 6-4 for Toronto in the period. Start of the second period, Capitals and Flyers even at two stars and kings. Coming up later on tonight. Uh, Patrick said with the Oilers being up and down, this is to the text line, with the Oilers being up and down in the last 20 games or so and a tight Western Conference, where do you see them finishing in the standings? And uh, Roddy says, uh, tight race in the Pacific Division. What's your prediction for April? First of all, I appreciate your faith in me. I'm going to tell you a little secret about those of us who work in the sports media. We're not much better, probably not at all better, uh, than uh, at predicting what's going to happen than, than really anybody else. The thing is, we get asked about it a lot more, which means we're given the opportunity to change our minds and put out multiple predictions. I try not to do that. Before the season, I predicted the Oilers would get 88 points and that they would probably miss the playoffs by three to six points. That was my preseason prediction. So they are clearly, though, in a better spot than that right now because right now they're in a playoff spot. And they and they have some, uh, some decent separation between themselves and some of the teams chasing them for a playoff spot. For example... The Oilers are five points up on Minnesota, six points up on Nashville, seven points up on Chicago. Yes, some of those teams have a game or two in hand, but still the Oilers have more points. But they're in a tight bunch with Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. The way things are shaping up right now, uh, I mean, you probably got the Oilers finishing somewhere between 6th and 10th in the Western Conference. I cannot assure you that they are going to get in. I can assure you, that if they continue a little hot streak here and, uh, you know, maybe go through a 10-game stretch with, uh, with 14 out of 20 points, that'll go a long way towards putting more teams behind them. But if I could make guaranteed know-it-all predictions, I would probably just be a professional sports gambler. Not going to lie to you. A little bit of Eskimos news today as well. Cooper gets the football. Will he get there? He'll get the first down. He'll get the touchdown. Shaq Cooper. 
Cooper into the end zone. There's uh, the give to Cooper. He keeps going, spins off one tackler and gets inside the 15 to about the, let's call it the 13-yard line. Kilgore's in the shotgun. He'll take the snap, pull it down, give it to Cooper. He'll hit to the goal line. Touchdown Eskimos. Shaq Cooper takes the first pie out of the oven. The ball goes the other way to Cooper. He's got a bit of a hole inside the 20, inside the 15, inside the 10 before he's pushed out of bounds. Contract extension for running back Shaq Cooper. He will not become a free agent in about a month. He was uh, a fun player to watch last year. Got into five games, 65 carries, 352 yards rushing. That's almost five and a half yards per carry. Had uh, 112 yards receiving on 15 receptions. A little more... uh, uh, a little more of a scat back type than C.J. Gable, who doesn't look like he's going to be back with the Eskimos. I know as the season went on, I heard from more of you, give Cooper the ball more, give Cooper the ball more. They started doing that a little bit. He might be the primary running back for the Eskimos in 2020. CFL meetings over the last couple of days. Pleased to be joined by the league's bigwig, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Randy, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great, thank you. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. I appreciate you making time for the show. It's it's always good to connect with you and, and uh, get the commissioner's update on some things going around the Canadian Football League. I, I know a pretty big one. I think we've got to start with the, the news of the week. The uh, Montreal Alouettes have... A new ownership group, which uh, has to be pretty exciting and hopefully bringing some stability to that franchise. Yeah, you know what? It, uh, it was a long and sometimes difficult process, but we ended up with a great solution and one that I think is going to serve the CFL well for, you know, for a decade or more and, uh, and very excited to be part of that announcement earlier this week. I'm, I'm curious... Because sounding, owning a pro sports team sounds pretty cool, but it comes with a lot of work and, and a lot of risk as well. So when you and people with the CFL are maybe in, in talks with whether it was, you know, Siegel and Stern or, or, or anybody else to own the team, and you say, hey, would you want to own a CFL team? What kind of feedback do, do you get? What kind of excitement do you get? What kind of hesitation do you get? I'm just curious if you can tell us yeah. anything about what you, you know, hear. Yeah, yeah, Reed, that's a great question, actually. Uh, you, know, you know what? I, I think for the most part, by the time someone gets to, uh, to the point where they're sitting in front of us, uh, they're pre- I think they're pretty interested in, in the idea of owning a team. So that, you know, that, that makes it easier. I think we're... We're, um, you know, they're usually a, they're more than a little curious at that stage, which you know generally helps a lot. Um, and and in this case, they were not only just interested; they were they were quite excited. They were, you know, they've been CFL fans their whole lives. They're huge sports fans. They have had, you know, I I, I don't know quite how to frame it, Reed, but they've had enough success for thirty successful people to have in a lifetime, and these two gentlemen have had it themselves. And um, I think this was for them kind of an adventure, you know, at a time in their lives where they were maybe looking to do something different and, uh, and serendipity struck. And here we are. All right. Well, good news for the Alouettes for sure. And they had a pretty exciting year on the field as well. So we'll see where they go from there. A lot of talk about the collective bargaining agreement over the last uh, few days, Randy and, uh, and, I know there's been some leaks with with the document, and, and and we'll see how all that goes. But you're the commissioner. What can what is your word on the status of of the CBA? Yeah, you know what I um, 
you know, I, I think, you know, it, it was, it's ready. It's, it's been published. Uh, I think it's out in, um, I think it's out in uh, the public domain now. And, you know, it, it does take some time after a, after a CBA is concluded, you know, to, uh, to get, you know, to get all the language into a form that is precise and obviously agreed by both parts. So by both parties. So, no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have much to offer other than I'm glad it's all completed. Um, look, I, Brian, uh, Jeff and I, uh, Jeff Keeping and Brian Ramsey, the two leaders of the Players Association and I have agreed that we really want to enter 2020 in the most positive way possible, that we're going to work together to try to build a, a bigger, brighter future for the CFL. And I see no reason to back away from that idea. I want to throw one at you about the, the lengths of contracts, Randy. The, the free agency day last February, almost a year ago, was, was super exciting. I mean, players were flying around everywhere. Um, but I also know there were a lot of one- and two-year contracts signed. Some players like, uh, you know, Bagleton, Usher here in Edmonton have gone on to NFL opportunities, and there might be a lot of players changing teams again in, in a month or so because there, at least in my mind and, and, and people who cover the league as well, feel there were a lot of one-year deals. Is, the, is, that, is that bad for the league? Is that something that concerns you, that there could be a lot of player turnover? Because, you know, fans want to feel connected to the players too, right? They like to have that guy as part of the community, part of the team for a few years stretch if possible. Yeah, you know what, Reed? I, I actually think it's something that we need to work at. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I want to grow our league and, you know, one of the many reasons is that I want to, I want our players to do better. I, I want to be able to... I want to be able to, you know, help the players to do better. And I think when, you know, as we, as we find our way to this growth strategy and as we start achieving some of the success that I know we're going to have, my, uh, my big hope is that we share that with the players and, uh, and with the coaches and our, and our non-football player operations and, and, frankly, even our alumni because I want them all to be part of our success. And then I think we're going to start to see our contracts start uh, start getting longer because you know if we if somebody's able to really look after their family if they're really able to satisfy their career ambitions they um, they tend to stay longer so I think this is a work in progress but I'm I'm excited to sit down with Brian and Jeff in the uh, in the days ahead and talk about uh, you know how do we help each other how do we help to grow the game so that uh, the players can ultimately uh, do better. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that's on the radar. Absolutely. Randy Ambrosi, Commissioner of the CFL, joining us tonight at Inside Sports. CFL 2.0. We saw some uh, some international players uh, on teams in, in the CFL this year. Um, you know, I know there were guys who, who played. I, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if there were any players who had big impacts. How do we? How does this grow from here? How do we maybe start seeing some players? Hey, this this guy was part of CFL 2.0, and now he's a, you know, he's an 800-yard receiver or he's a 500-yard rusher. Where, where where are we taking this now? Yeah, you know what, uh, uh, Reed. I think the player, if I'm, you know, if I was just to make my own evaluation, I think the player that had the biggest impact this year was Cedric uh, Hansen for the Bombers, and in fact, he made a beautiful play in the Grey Cup game. And uh, and help them to uh, to secure their victory. You know, I, I I tell you what. You know, we went into the 2019 uh, uh, international 
uh, program uh, in, a, in a hurry. And, and, and I, you know, I said to the governors, look, let's take a step. Rather than waiting to make it perfect, let's take a step now. And I think it was a good move, and, and we got some players you know, that got, it, got a chance to experience the CFL. But I'll tell you, we are um, – Greg Dick and Ryan Jansen and Greg Quick are leaving tomorrow night, and they're heading to, uh, to Stockholm for the very first uh, international combine in Stockholm. They are going to be doing uh, scouting combines all around the world, and the very best players from all around the world uh, will then be uh, joining us in in uh, in Toronto in March for the international scouting combine. There, it'll be the biggest CFL scouting scouting combine in history because we'll have our Canadian players and internationals, and then we'll follow it up with a draft. I, I think we have many good reasons to be excited about. Uh, What's going to happen to our international player program in 2020? I think we're going to see more great players joining our league. And uh, those that were here this year will have a year's experience under their belt. So, Reed, I, I feel very good about it. You know, I, I, I did say to our coaches and GMs today to be patient because it's not going to happen overnight. You know, the NBA didn't find Yao Ming uh, on day one when they started their international push but I, I think our version of Yao Ming is out there uh, we just got to go find him okay well said uh, we, we, I, I ask you this every time we talk so why stop today uh, Atlantic Canada you know I got to interview Mr. LeBlanc at the Great Cup in Edmonton that was about 14 months ago I know I've talked to uh, you know we have our global reporters in, in Halifax on that story and there's it, it doesn't seem to be going along as well as they maybe would like with the stadium that's my impression. What is your update on a team in Atlantic Canada? Yeah, you know, Reed, I think there's a reason to be uh, to feel pretty good. The city made a uh, passed a resolution uh, before Christmas. Uh, they passed a resolution to uh, secure twenty million dollars of funding for the stadium development plan. So, you know, that was a uh, you know twenty million dollars more than we had before they passed that resolution. Uh, I actually uh, feel better because we've been uh, we've been talking to Schooner Sports and Entertainment, uh, and we're talking about how we're now going to step in. The league is going to step in and, and help work with them on their business plan and their stadium development plan. So, Reed, I, I, I you know it it was never going to happen overnight, but uh, because uh, Halifax Regional Council, uh, you know, passed the resolution for the twenty million in funding, I think there's cause for all of us to feel uh, better today than uh, say maybe we we were thinking in october and november still a lot uh, read i'm the proverbial dog with a bone i i think this is an important uh this is an important project and whether it happens overnight or not i i think that we have to keep working at this because bringing our uh bring our neighbors from atlanta canada into the cfl family is something that i think we should get done uh one way or the other Okay, well, I hope to see that as well. I know that's been a, been a priority for you, and we've talked about it a lot. Randy, I got one more for you. The XFL is starting up. They came out with some interesting rules yesterday. There's going to be a three-point convert. The um, alignment on kickoffs will be unlike anything we've seen in pro football before. They're going to allow two forward passes from behind the, the line of scrimmage. Uh, I know you're always looking to innovate. I don't know if you're looking to innovate to that extent, uh, but is there anything that really caught your eye out of some of the things the XFL put forward? 
Well, I, I mean, I, I couldn't help but see some similarities to some of the things that we'd already do. You'll note it. You'll note that they have a 25-second clock uh, and and not a 40-second clock like they do in the NFL. They talk about the speed of the game, and uh, I think ours is the best brand of football in the world. But look, I, I, I like what they're doing. You know, it, it's so interesting. You know, we were a year ago, if you remember, a year ago, and everyone was talking about the alliance of uh, the alliance of American football, and and it, they didn't survive a year. They uh, they only lasted half a season. So I'm I'm watching with great interest to see what. Uh, what happens with that league? Uh, and yeah, you're right. I, I, you know, I think they are thinking about um, doing some things differently. We should watch that. We should always be interested in what uh, what we might do to improve our game and make it better for our fans. But uh, I tell you, I uh, I love the CFL. I love the direction we're going in. I love CFL fans, and uh, and I think is uh, to quote the great Buzz Lightyear uh, to infinity and beyond. Okay, I, I, I lied. I got one more for you because I just double-checked my notes. So I want to throw one more at you. I asked you about sometimes, sure. you know, players uh, leaving to the NFL. Uh, the Eskimos are bringing a coach back from the NFL, Scott Milanovic. What does it mean to have him make the decision to uh, to come back to Canada after a few years south of the border? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I got a chance to say hi to Scott. He's here at the league meetings in, uh, in Collingwood. And, look, I, I think he's a good person. Uh, he's a great football coach. And, like, I just think, it, again, it is just evidence of how great this league is. I think people come here, and once you get bit by the CFL bug, it's hard to get out of your system. Scott's going to be a great credit to our league. You know, he's going to uh, he's going to have a very positive impact on the Eskimos, and I and I'm uh, confident that he'll uh, you know he'll bring a lot uh, to the table. But I, I do think, again, it is a testimony to what it means to be part of this league and. And I know Scott's excited to be with the Eskimos and excited to be, you know, back in the CFL family. And, you know, frankly, I think that should make us all, it's a reminder to us all how big our league is. We are, as I, as I shared earlier today, we are going to be the biggest global football league in the world, the CFL. And I think uh, we're going to see, you know, guys like Scott and, and many others want to be part of it. And I think it's one of the many reasons why we all can be uh, proud to be connected to this great league. All right. Well, Randy, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know it's always busy for you, so thanks for carving out some time for 6.30 Chet in Edmonton. I always appreciate getting your comments and your perspective, and I'm sure I'll see you the next time you roll through town. Thank you so much. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks very much. And again, happy new to you and all your listeners. That is Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. Made a good point there at the end. Everybody was worried about that American Alliance of Football. Uh, it didn't last. It the C- uh, it didn't last. The CFL keeps on plugging away. I, I don't know if they're going to commit to any rule changes like the XFL did. We had Blake Dermott on yesterday talking about some of those. They have a. They, you do not kick after a touchdown. They have a one-point convert from the two, five-point convert, or pardon me, uh, a two-point convert from the five, a three-point convert from the ten different alignment on kickoff uh, you can't punt it out of bounds you can't try the coffin corner punt just trying to eliminate a lot of the the plays where there isn't a lot of action in football a couple people texted in asking about Halifax he's still optimistic about Halifax we've had people on from global Halifax who maybe uh, aren't as optimistic about the future of that team there and I was really interested in what he said about the one-year contracts that it seems to me he would maybe like to do away with those 
to have players playing in the same city for a little bit longer, and I think that would be good for the league indeed. You can let me know what you think at 780-496-0063. Winnipeg and Toronto tied at two. We'll check the Oil Kings game as well when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Oil Kings leading Moose Jaw 1 0, start of the second period in Moose Jaw. Oil Kings ranked number five in the latest edition of the CHL rankings, having a really good year. Got the old uh, tube on here in the studio. Just saw a commercial for that movie, 1917, which looks excellent. Just want to clarify, the movie 1917 is about events in the First World War. It is not about the year of Bob Layton's first editorial on 630 Chet. So I just want to clarify that in case you're like, wait, is that the Bob Layton movie? No, that that is not the Bob Layton movie. The, the, the night 1917 is, uh, is the war movie. The sequel is about Halsey's rookie year in sports. We're going to break for the 7 o'clock news and weather. Jacob Bernard Docker, newly minted gold medalist from the Canadian World Junior Team. We will catch up with him as he returns to action at the University of North Dakota. And a pretty good player for almost 20 years in the NHL. Scott Hartnell will check in tonight. He made a video with his young son recreating McDavid's goal. We'll talk about some other NHL storylines with Scott, former National Predator, played for Peter Laviolette. So we'll talk about Laviolette's dismissal as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, back after the break. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.